Hey, thanks for listening to the Harvest Time Podcast. We hope today's message helps you know God in a real and powerful way. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Malachi chapter 3. That's right, I said Malachi chapter 3. If you're a churchgoer, you've been around the Word a long time, you probably already know where I'm going, and yes, that's where I'm going. But Malachi chapter 3, if you're new to the Bible and you're new to Scripture, you can uh, turn to the New Testament, look for Matthew. Y'all all heard of Matthew, probably Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Look to Matthew and then back up one, one, uh, one book to Malachi chapter 3. And I want to give you a little bit of context here because I think it's important that we understand the context. How many of y'all appreciate the context? The context is, and we're getting some Bible readers here. Y'all reading the Bible all the way through. Y'all are, y'all are doing it with purpose. You're doing it with intent in your heart. And I just want to say thank you for doing that because the more Bible you know, the more, more you know what God wants you to do with your life. And so this is just the, the reality. If you know the Bible, then you're going to know what you should do tomorrow. How many of y'all want to know what to do tomorrow? That's how you know you read the Bible every day. So Malachi, let me give you a little context. Let me tell you what was going on right here. Malachi was written to confront Israel's laziness, their complacency. Malachi comes to them in their indifference toward the Lord, to what God has said to them. And so Malachi comes, and and he's a prophet to Israel, and he comes to warn them because they become disconnected. They've strayed as a nation. They've strayed as a people. You sound familiar to some folks strayed. They've disconnected from the Lord, and so, therefore, some other things have been going on. Does that sound familiar to you? They were a forgetful people that had a heart problem. They had a heart problem. So after Malachi, after the prophet Malachi comes, God doesn't speak again for 400 years. Last week, we, did the, we talked about the teaching of Jesus and it was the last teaching to Jesus' disciples. How many disciples we got in the room today? I, I guess I need to ask that question. How many disciples we got in the room today? Your disciple, this is not a trick question, y'all. You can raise your hand to that. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you're a disciple, you can raise your hand right there. This was Jesus' last teaching to the disciples before, before he left the earth. And so this is the last thing that God says to Israel before Jesus comes. The last words are important. So this is where we're going to talk today. We're going to see the last thing that God said to Israel before Jesus. Are you ready? This is Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, and I do not change. Now, I could preach right there. There's a lot of preaching right there. I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this. Test me, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. 
so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. I want you to go back to verse 7. There's something right here I want us to look at, and it's worth repeating. It bears repeating. I want you to look at these words. Return to me, and I will return to you. Return to me, and I will return to you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your people is here today. I ask you, Lord, to bless your people. For that one that walked in this place that is tired and weary is going through something that they don't understand. I pray, God, that you would even use this message today. Lord, to minister hope and faith and help in Jesus' name. To the wayward son, the wayward daughter, I pray, Father, that you turn them back to the hearts of the fathers. We pray, Lord, that you turn the hearts of the fathers to the way to the children. We ask you, Lord, that we would all turn our hearts toward you, that we would return to you. We will come today to see what your word has to say about our life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Jesus, I told you last week that Jesus, he talks about money about 15% of the time. I also, I said to you that anytime a pastor starts talking about money, you probably already start tensing up a little bit. And so y'all can just relax a little bit. If your ankles are already a little tight, just release them right now. Just, just, it's okay. I got I to gotta teach this about once a year. I need to teach this. So the Bible is full of talking about money. And it, the importance of the money is very important because a lot of times our heart is tied to what the money is tied to. And this is why Jesus was talking about this specific and this particular subject as we've been talking about for the last two weeks. We talked about reaping and sowing and we talked about stewardship. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and give you just a little bit. If you missed the last two weeks, you're going to hear just a few things that you probably already heard. But the Bible is full of principles. The Bible is full of applications and the Bible is full of promises. How many of y'all know that? The Bible's full of principles, applications, and promises. But a lot of times what we want to do is we want to only look to the promises. And we forget that there are principles and applications that are tied to the promises that come from God. And so one of the principles and one of the applications and one of the promises that we have in Scripture, we see this repeated over and over and over, is reaping and sowing. You will reap what you sow. You will reap where you sow, you will reap more than you sow. And if you have patience and you don't give up, you will reap a harvest. That was week number one. That was pretty good for week number one right there. Just, that was all of it in one little short little thing. Here's the bottom line. If you give and you don't give up in your giving to God, he will give back to you. That's the bottom line. Last week, we talked about becoming good stewards. I gave you the, the definition of being a steward. There were some, some people that, that didn't even understand what that word was. There's some young people who never even heard that word steward. And so I gave a definition of this. A steward is a, a, a management of the property of another. In other words, if you're a manager of a grocery store, you are managing someone else's store. It's not your store. That's a manager. That's a steward. A steward is a manager. And I gave you three principles 
of stewardship, and if you didn't write them down, hopefully you'll be able to get them really quick today. Here's the three principles of stewardship, and it's very important that everything comes from and belongs to God. That's number one. Everything belongs to, everything comes from God, and it belongs to God. Number two, that you only manage it for a season. That's number two. And then number three is that there will be a day of accountability. So last week I asked the question, I'm going to be full of questions today because the questions, it, it always uh, gets us thinking in our minds and in our hearts and in our spirits. So I'm going to be asking a question, but this was a question that I asked last week. What keeps us from being good stewards? Now I already know the answer to this. And if you were here last week, you know the answer too. But if you weren't, this is for all the folks that weren't here last week. What keeps us from being good stewards? Number one, I do believe that it is our relationship with our mind of whether we're the owner or the manager. Are we a steward or we're the owner? This is one of the things that keeps us from being a good steward. And then the second thing is this ownership and management situation. The second thing that keeps us from being good stewards is I believe this with all of my heart is your relationship with debt. Got real quiet in here. Got real quiet. Some of y'all started at Dave Ramsey. Y'all started the Dave Ramsey principles. Y'all started the financial freedom thing this way. I got messages from some of y'all, and y'all started that. We gave that to everybody that was here last week. We gave you a code that you could, you could put in and a little, little thing right there. You could just go right online, and you can do the Dave Ramsey course for free. And y'all, I'll tell you this, if you're here today and you weren't here last week and you didn't get that, we're going to have some people at the door and we're going to give it to you today. Because we don't want you to be in debt. And the reason why we don't want you to be in debt, because that's God's principle for you not to be in debt. Because if you're in debt, you are a slave to the lender. That's what the Bible says. You're a slave to the lender and I don't want you to be in debt and God doesn't want you to be in debt. And we want you to be debt free. And so now you have available to you these are principles, and we've been teaching these principles in this house for over 30 years. Before you even knew Dave Ramsey's name, we was teaching Larry Burkett. And Larry Burkett, before you knew Larry Burkett's name, we were teaching the Bible and the principles of the Bible. These are not, this is not Dave Ramsey's deal. This isn't Larry Burkett's deal. This is the Bible deal. This is God's deal. Okay, so this is what we're teaching you today. I want you to, we took our whole staff through this. Why? Because this is the way that we're supposed to live. You heard me say, if you read this word, you're going to know how you, what you should do tomorrow. This is the way that we should be living. So, once a year, I need to teach this message. I need to preach this message because there's two categories of people in the room today. There are some new disciples and you've never heard this. There's some new disciples and you've never heard this and this is the word of God, so we're going to teach it. And then there are some old disciples that are forgetful disciples. There's, there's just there's no other way to say it. There's, there's two categories of people, so that's why we're going to teach this today. We're going to remind you of what the Bible says to all the forgetful disciples. We're going to, we're going to uh, remind you of what it says. But here's what I want you to hear. If you don't hear me say another word today, this is what I want you, I want you to hear me say this loud and clear. And they're going to put it on the screen behind me. I want you to get this. Tithing has nothing to do with giving God your money. You look at that, leave that up there for a minute. Tithing has nothing to do with giving God your money. 
and I can show you that in Scripture. Giving back to God reveals your heart attitude toward God because, hear me say this, God don't need your money because you don't really have any money. It's all his money. And we're going back to stewardship. I'm going to teach stewardship again 101. This principle is not because he needs it. It's because we need it. We're teaching this principle today because this, everything belongs to him. And if you have it in your hand, he gave it to you. If you have air in your lungs, Bill, it's because God filled your lungs with air. That's the way this deal works. We are not the owners of anything. It all belongs to him. Stewardship, now remember this, stewardship is managing the property of another. So giving our tithes and offerings is nothing but a management course. This is, this, is like a, this is teaching us how to manage. This is teaching us how to be good stewards because it all belongs to him. I told you 1 Corinthians 4, 7 last week. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? If God is the owner of it all, how much do you own? Zero. Thank you, Gary. Zippity-doo-dah. That's what I said last week. I love saying I don't know why I love saying that, but this is what you own. If God owns it all, what do you own? Nothing. He's the owner. Get that in your mind. Because money is not the problem. Management of the money is the problem. I promise you. So what did you do with what God has given you? Because there will be a day of accountability. And we'll talk about that just a little bit more. I'm going to unpack that. I don't want this message to come across as, as, uh, as, as judgmental. I want it to come across as, as loving because remember, I don't want you to be in debt and God does not either. This is a, a management deal. If we've got any business owners in the room today, you, you own a business. You, you can lift your hand up proudly. You can lift your hand. You're, you're a business owner. So I'm going to ask those of you that got your hand in the air, what kind of characteristics are you looking for for somebody that's going to be a manager of your business? What kind of characteristics are we looking for? Talk back to me. Come on, y'all. Integrity, reliable, trustworthy. Oh, did you hear that? Somebody that can manage their own finances. What else are we looking for? These are good. Y'all, you can talk to me. It's okay. I'm not nervous. Ethic, work ethic. Do you hear that? Craig knows that he knows about this. Listen, this is what I wrote down. These are qualities that we look for if we were going to let someone manage our business. Trustworthy, accountable, honest, diligent, faithful, and consistent. That's six qualities that I believe that you would look for. If you were going to put somebody in charge of your business, these are six characteristics I bet that you would be looking for. But did you know that these are the same characteristics that God is looking for in us? Because we are going to be judged. There's a day of accountability coming. We will be judged with what we did, with what God put in our hands. We will hear good and faithful, or we will hear wicked and lazy. This is pass-fail. You either pass the test or you don't. This is what we're going to hear. Now, God owns it all, and we can see with the priority that you could look at my bank account and you could know what I place a priority on. Let me tell you one, one thing that I place a priority on. That's, that's family. I place a priority on family. Did you know that when Carrie and I looked for our home, we looked for two rooms in a home, that's it. 
We, 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 we needed two rooms. That's what we needed. We needed a big dining room and we needed a big living room. That's really all we was looking for. Because we live in a very small portion of our house, but when our family comes over, we need a big dining room and we need a big living room because we got a big family and we put a priority on spending time with our family. I can look at your bank account or what you spend your money on and see what you put a priority on. We did the same thing when we were looking for a boat. I needed a boat that would hold 10 humans. It, it had to be a pretty good sized boat. Why? Because I put a priority on my family. I, y'all, there's nothing hardly you can do that's better than putting 10 of your family members in a boat. They can't get away from each other. They, they, those kids just got to work things out. They got to work it out. I love Pastor Chad and Jenna Lee. They put that, that work it out shirt. What'd you call that? Get along shirt. They put, they put their kids in, in the same shirt. They made them wear it. They made the kids put the same shirt on and they had to wear it to get along. It's the same thing when you're in a boat with your family. If you're on a 20 foot boat, 23 foot boat, and you got 10 humans on there, you got to figure out how to get along with one another. You can't escape. You're in the middle of the lake. We put a priority on family. And so whatever you spend the most money on, whatever you spend the most time doing, that's your priority. Can we just agree on that? That's your priority. Whatever you spend the most money on, whatever you spend the most time doing, that's your priority. That's what you place a priority on. So I told you I'm going to have a lot of questions today. So where is God on your priority list? Just let that simmer up there. See, this is a heart thing. Jesus knows that where your heart is, that's where you're going to find some treasure. Malachi, I'm going to unpack this. Malachi 3, look at verse 6. For I am the Lord and I do not change. God don't change. We change, but God don't change. He's the same yesterday. He's the same today and forever. He don't change. We're the people that changes. And this is what God was saying. He's saying, y'all changed. I'm the same. If I wasn't so good to you, I would have already killed you. This is what, I mean, read it. Start in verse one. Read Malachi three, start in verse one. Look at this. But God is the same. He's so consistent, he does not change. This is Malachi, Malachi 3, 7. From the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances and you've not kept them. Three points today. You can write this down. Three things about Israel that we're going to learn. What is it that we found out about Israel? These three things, you can write this down. Hopefully you got, you're, you're ready to take your notes here today. Three things about Israel. Number one, rebellion. They were in rebellion. We see this, we see this in verse 7. They made a choice. They made a decision to go away from God's ordinances, and they did that from their fathers. Now, there's a teaching right here. Parents, your kid sees what's important to you. And they see whether it is you have a priority on God or not. They know. They, they went away from God from the days of their fathers. We see this right here. And we have the same problem today of people being disobedient and not honoring God. And you're teaching your children do, to do those same things. Look at verse 7. Yet from the days of your fathers, we have, you have gone away from my ordinance and you have not kept them. You and your fathers have gone away. Now, when I looked up the word rebellion, because this is rebellion to the word of God, when I look up the term rebellion, this is what I see. Defiance, disobedience, insubordination, opposition to authority. We just don't want nobody telling us what to do. 
So what is the opposite of rebellion? Anybody know? You look it up in the dictionary, you can look it up. What is the opposite of rebellion? Obedience. Gary, you've got three questions right so far today. You're gonna to get, to get a gold star. The opposite of rebellion is obedience. Now listen to me today. How many of y'all ever, you ever seen a family that you couldn't tell grandma or grandpa nothing? You couldn't tell their kids nothing? You couldn't tell their grandkids nothing? Their whole family lived in rebellion. How many of y'all, know, no, no, put your, don't put your hand up. But how many of y'all, you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. They lived for generations in rebellion. You know how to break a cycle of rebellion? One person just start being obedient. Because the Bible says that when we're obedient, we're blessing generations. Your children and your children's children will be blessed. You know, this is what happened with my daddy. He was the first Christian in, in his whole family. First Christian, he won his entire family to the Lord. His brother's sitting right over there. He won his whole family to the Lord. And now all of his kids and his grandkids love the Lord and they're in church. First Christian in his family. That's a testimony. His kids, how many of you want your kids to be blessed and you want your grandkids to be blessed? If you don't have your hand up right now, something's wrong with you. So what breaks the cycle? Obedience. So three things about Israel. Number one, they rebelled. They went away from God's ordinances. Number two, how did we find out that, what did they do? How did they rebel? Look at this. They robbed God. Now I want you to look at the difference between robber and a thief. A thief comes in the middle of the night, they break in your storage shed, and they steal your lawnmower, hoping no one ever confronts them. They don't want to get found out. They do it in the middle of the night. But the difference between a robber and a thief is a robber does it in the open. The robber will come with a gun and they'll, they'll stick, they'll, 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 they'll say, I don't care who sees me, I want what you have. That is the term that is used right here in Malachi. It's, rob, it's the robber versus the thief. A, a robber takes things by force in the open. Verse eight says, yet you have robbed me. You did it in front of me, God says. You did it right before me. You did it right in front of my face when you're robbing God. Verse eight, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Everybody say, and offerings. There's the tithe, and y'all, tithe just means, if you're new to this, this is countercultural. You, you need to understand that this is what the Bible says, that the tithe is a, is a 10%. It's 10%. If you, don't, if you give 5%, you're not tithing yet. You understand, there's tithes and offerings. So God, this is what I want to tell you. I don't just give a tithe. I get, I get and offerings. Why? Because God has been so good to me. Because God has blessed me. He's carried me through times when I didn't deserve it. In fact, he poured out his goodness on me when I didn't deserve it in many times in my life. And this is what I can tell you. He's never failed me. And he won't fail me because this is a tithing covenant. I tithe. We, this is the first thing we do, Carrie and I. The first thing we do. It comes, it, before, I had, before I had payroll deduction, it, it was the first thing we did before we even bought groceries, before we did entertainment, before we did anything else. It was the first thing that we wrote. The first check that we wrote, God gives back to us. Your heart is, your heart's on display when you ask questions like this. Well, pastor, should I tithe on the net or the gross? 
Or, or listen, I want my gross to be blessed. It, you'll, get, you'll get people, they'll write a check for, and I don't ever look at the I've never seen a check you've written. I've never looked at the books. I don't know what you give, but you'll get, you'll get, you'll get people ask a question. They'll say, well, Pastor, my tithe is $76.23. And so I write it for that. Listen, when y'all go through Panda Express, y'all round up for the St. Jude's. And I hope you give more than 10% to your waitress. You better, if y'all go eat today, y'all please better, you better do 20%. We, here's what I'm saying. You're not writing a check to the government. You're giving to God. Amens are getting weaker and weaker. All right, three things about Israel. They rebelled. They robbed God. But the third thing that happened we see about Israel, they reaped. You will reap what you sow. Look at verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. When you look up the word curse, it means abomination and detestable to God. God counts this as detestable if you are robbing from God. You are cursed. That's the Bible, y'all. You can, you can argue with me if you want to argue. I'm just going to preach the Bible. Don't get mad at me. I'm just reading the Bible to you. Three things about Israel. They rebelled, they robbed, and they reaped. So what is the answer what is the remedy? I'm glad you're asking me. God gives Israel the remedy. Write that word down. Here's the remedy. The remedy is that God is a God of another chance. God is a God that says, hey, this is what you need to start doing. I'm gonna give you another chance. I mean, y'all, y'all, God's given you 10, 20, 30, 5,000 chances like me. 100,000 chances, Mark. Mark's known me a long time. I better up that 100,000, 250,000 if y'all know me a long time. God's been so good to me and he's a God of another chance. I want you to look at this. Here's the remedy. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Verse 10's the answer. Letter A, I'm gonna help you write some notes. Letter A here. So the three things about Israel, one, two, three. Now here's the letter A, we're going to subpoints here. But what's the remedy? What is the remedy? Make the tithe, put down priority. Make it a priority, that's the answer. Because when we give leftovers to God, you know, I hear people all the time, I, I don't have time to go to church. Well, no, it just, that's poor management. You have the same amount of time I have. You just don't prioritize church. I hear people say all the time, well, I don't have any money left to give to God. It's, it's poor management. It's just, this is a management deal. I want you to see this as a stewardship issue. When we give leftovers to God, what we're saying is, Lord, after all of my football and after all of my hobbies and after all of the eating out and after all the things in my kids' activities, after all these things, I'm gonna give you what's left over. That's not making God priority. And you say, Pastor, you're preaching really strong right now. Well, I'm telling you this because it's what the Bible says and I have done this my lifetime. I'm not preaching something to you that I don't do. This is something that I believe in. And because I believe in it, because God, it's a covenant, then God has blessed my life. Look at this. Bring all this, in verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Not a portion, not a partial. Giving his decision that it says, I'm putting you, I'm making you the priority, God. I'm trusting you. I'm, I'm giving you my heart. I'm placing a priority for you. I believe in seed time and harvest. I believe in sowing and reaping. How many believe in sowing and reaping? I just believe it. You say, well, pastor, that's, that's Old Testament. That's law. Can I tell you something? You may not know this. 
But in, in scripture, Abraham gave a tithe to the priest Melchizedek before the law was given to Moses. This was pre-law. And in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus told the Pharisees, he's looking at them in the eyes and he says, you pay your tithes, but you omit the weightier things. This is Matthew 23, 23. What he's saying is he says, you need to do both. Don't do this and leave this one out. Do both. This is Jesus talking to them. So what's the remedy? Making tithe a priority. That's A, bring all your tithes. Where do I bring them? It's the storehouse. You bring them into the storehouse. What is the storehouse? Here's letter B. Just write. So letter A is, is priority. Letter, uh, letter B is place. This is the storehouse. Where do I bring my tithe? Look at this. Give to the right place. Give to the storehouse, not a TV preacher, not to your favorite other charity, not to your cousin who's struggling. This is where you bring the tithe. You bring it to the storehouse. And, now listen, I challenge you. You, you. you have a need in your family and somebody passes away and you need a preacher, try calling that TV preacher, see if he shows up, preach that funeral. You need somebody to come to the hospital and pray over your need? and pray, and pray the, the prayer of faith over you. There's nobody here checking tithe records to see whether we're gonna respond or not. We're showing up to the hospital, why? Because this is the storehouse and this is where you come to church and I don't look to see what people give. I've never done that. It's okay to give to other ministries, but here's what I'm trying to tell you. If everybody on your road did that, gave to their cousin, gave to their favorite ministry, there'd be no church. Do y'all realize that last weekend, it was almost a $20,000 ministry and outreach. How did that happen? Because we didn't ask you for anything. How did that happen? Did you even think about it? Think about that for a minute. It's because our church tithes, we believe in this. Our church tithes 10% on what is given to, to missions and that's an outreach and that's a local mission project. But if everybody just gives to their favorite charity or their favorite whatever, and they don't bring the tithe into the storehouse, y'all, we couldn't do what we did last weekend. You, you get that, right? We make decisions, we make choices. It's the first thing that happens is, is when the tithes are given, the first thing Hannah does, and she's sitting around, she's the business administrator of this church, the first thing Hannah does is move 10% of that over every week over into missions. And that's what we do. We believe in, I believe in this. The church, this church believes in this. Y'all, you realize we helped almost 700 families have a better Thanksgiving last weekend. And it's because people are tithing. Not because you gave a huge offering for this. You didn't buy the baskets. You, you didn't, you didn't, we didn't come to you and say, hey, y'all, we need X amount of dollars. We didn't do that. Did we do that? We didn't do that. We did that last year, but we didn't do that this year. We just made this a priority. And we said, this is what we're going to do. So that's what we did. So the remedy, make God, make the tithe a priority, give to the right place. That would be the storehouse. See the rewards. Look at verse 10 through 12. God says, try me now in this. Try me now. Now he didn't say when you get it all together. He says, try me now. Test me in this. He didn't say when you can, I know you will. He says, try me right now. Prove me, put me to the test and see what I will do for you. When you look at this, he says, if I will not open a window 
When you look up the word window, it is a, it means chimney. It is a it is a blessing, a pipeline of blessing, a chimney straight to you when you do this. You don't believe me? Just look this up. Look these words up in your blue letter Bible. It'll tell you the same thing I'm telling you. This is a blessing for you. And then he says, I will pour out for you such blessing. Pour out means I will empty out. There's blessing awaiting. There won't be enough room to receive it if you put me first is what God is saying. That's the remedy. See the reward. And then experience protection. That's letter D, protection. God will protect. Verse 11, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. Verse 12 says, you will prosper. Now, y'all probably wonder, what in the world is all this back here for? I'm gonna show y'all this really simple. This isn't hard. All right, see these apples? I'm gonna make it super simple. you see this. Now look here. I got 10 apples. A tithe. A tithe would be one. I'm, my math right? Somebody help me. Okay. I just want to make sure I'm doing this right, Dan. All right. Look, watch this. One apple. That goes to God. Now let the rest of these, this is what God gives you got to take care of them. You still got to take care of them. I'm going to bruise them by dropping them like that. Here's what I need to do. I'm going to roll over, I guess. Hey, there's, there's teaching right here in this. Because God has a say of what you do with the other nine. You don't want to be bruising the apples. You got to take care of if, if you take care of these nine, if you give that one and you take care of these nine, what does the Bible say? You're going to get more. Don't you be dumping them apples in there. Don't bruise them. It's taking some time. It takes some time. Don't give up. Be patient. You're going to reap what you sow if you're patient. Look at there. What? Look, one for God. Here's 10 pennies. Somebody tied that up really tight. Note to self second service oh it's double tied y'all see are y'all okay I'm working right now look here look here thank you there's 10 pennies we give one to God how many you got left over 10 grapes God. Whose grapes are these? Whose? Oh, how come? How come they're God's and not yours? Why is that, Bart? Everything belongs to God. Somebody pay attention over there. I thought you was asleep over there, Bart. Look here. Oh, man. Look here. These are shekels. I brought these back from Israel. There's ten... There's 10, 10 shekels. That's 100 shekels. We give 10 shekels to God. How many is in there? It's 90. 
I want y'all, I want y'all to get this. Y'all say, Pastor, you're taking a long time to do this. No, this is, I'm going to teach you something right now. I got 10 bananas. I'll give one to the Lord. How many bananas? Oh, wait a minute. I put, I put God's over there. Wait a minute. I put it in the wrong account. So, some of y'all never get to put anything in your account because it's gone before you got it. That's nine bananas over here. Those are not. Those are God's nine bananas. Y'all get? Are y'all learning something? You see what I'm talking about right here? I want you to see this. I'm gonna leave these in the bag. We'll get one right here. But you still got nine oranges. What are these? Those are pears. I wasn't sure what that was. There's a pear on that one. Uh-oh, uh-oh. See what you still have left over when you give one to God? These still belong to God. I want you to see how much you've got. He says, test me in this. I'm going to pour out a blessing for you, and I'm going to bless it. Press down, shaken together, and running over is what the Bible says. You do this and you still have a lot, but this is still belongs to God. God has a say in what you do with the other 90%. You make him a priority and see if he won't give you more and more and more. That's called sowing and reaping. That's called being a good steward. Y'all, this is a simple illustration, but do you see how little it is compared to how much that we have. I did this for a purpose because I wanted you to see a very simple illustrated message that says, look at what all you still have when you give very little. That's all he's asking for. But we didn't even talk about offerings. Now next week, we're going to bring an offering. Hopefully some of you that have forgetful disciples that have not been tithing, but you know to, you used to, Hopefully you'll start again. But all, I'm going to ask everybody to bring an offering next week. Kingdom Builders offering. December the 4th, we're going to do this together as a church. We ask you to pray. Ask God what it is that you're to bring. But this is a principle that you need to do every week. Because when you do, you're blessed. Thanks again for listening today. If you want to know more about our church, find us on social media or visit harvesttime.net. See you next time.